Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share, download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Folks, I want to talk about repentance today because there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And we see this in Luke 24, 47, because as the gospel is preached, people would either believe it and be forgiven or reject it and suffer judgment. So before we get into it today, let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we love you. Hallowed be thy holy and righteous name, Father. We want you to be our king. We want you to lead us, guide us, show us what is the truth of your word. Father, we want to learn from you and not from this world any longer. Teach us today about repentance because according to the word of God, you have said in second and second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And then you tell us in First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Father, you said in Acts 3.19, Repent then and turn to God. Why? So that your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And Father, finally, 
You said in Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and and renounces them finds mercy. Father, that's some good news. That's the good news that we can have our sins forgiven through the atoning sacrifice of your son, Jesus. No longer will will we be considered enemies of God on our way to a burning hell so that when we repent, when we forsake the sin, we must produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So say Matthew 3, 8. So Father, I ask for wisdom today to be able to convey your message of repentance and salvation through Christ Jesus to the people today, Father. Glory, all the glory, all the honor, and my complete humbleness and submission is due to you, Father. You reconciled us back to yourself through Christ Jesus. I ask for wisdom and discernment. Help me, Father, by your Holy Spirit to be able to teach today's lesson. And I ask this and I pray this in Jesus' name. Father, may today's lesson bring you glory. May may the Holy Spirit move on me. Give me spiritual discernment, Father. I want to learn. I ask this, my Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for saving us. So, folks, we're going to focus on what Jesus has commanded the disciples right before he ascended back up to heaven. And this same commission is for all of the believers in Christ Jesus. So what did Jesus tell told us to do? Because we need to find out what we are to be doing while we are awaiting for him to return. Meaning we got a lot of work to do. So no, we don't have a whole lot of time. Nope, we don't have any time to be in sin because it is true as the gospel is preached people would either believe it and be forgiven or reject it outright and suffer judgment and what is the gospel well the gospel of the lord jesus christ as told to us by Paul, who was called to be an apostle by Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 5. Paul tells us what the gospel is. 
for what I received. I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Amen. My friend, God has made a way for us to be reconciled back to himself through the atoning sacrifice of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news that God loved the world enough to give his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is already condemned. Why? Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Amen. And that's John three sixteen to 18. The gospel is good news because our salvation and eternal life and home in heaven are only found through Christ. He tells us in John 14, 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never, never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance, my beloved, is kept in heaven for you. First Peter 1, 3 through 4. Folks, the gospel, it's assurance that Forgiveness of sin is available in Christ Jesus when we repent. Sin prevents us from having a relationship with God, but Jesus. But Jesus' perfect sacrifice on the cross 
made atonement for sin. We see this in Hebrews uh, 2.17. And it brought harmony to mankind's relationship with him. Jesus reconciled us to God. Now we can proclaim, okay, because this is all for the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can proclaim that people, and this is the message we must convey to this sick, dying world, that people can repent of their sin and be made right with God again through faith in Christ Jesus. Romans 5.10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the, by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Amen. Colossians 1 20 to 23 says, And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Verse 21, And you, you who was, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Amen. If indeed, okay, because this is the condition. If indeed, verse 23, you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. Amen. See, you can be reconciled back to God. However, after all that wonderful, wonderful good news, however, though, we must stay out of sin. Okay, don't let the wolf down at the apostate church fool you with the false doctrine and high-sounding nonsense that once, once you are saved, you are always saved. First of all, that's a misnomer. You ain't saved yet. You are not safe until Jesus comes back to give us eternal life. So in the meantime, in between time, we are being saved. 
Glory be to God. Because guess what? You can jump out of Jesus' hand. Back off in the world. Back off in sin. So we must be led by the Holy Spirit. We must allow the perfecting work of sanctification to work in your life as a believer in Christ Jesus. No, this won't happen overnight, but the mindset is to be on board with producing fruit in keeping with repentance. We can't be running around here like baby Christians forever, kicking and screaming about how, oh, it's impossible to stop sinning. Eventually, we all have to get there. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit because you don't want to come out of a particular sin or you are deceived enough to believe that this that sin is okay with God and it is not. Folks, we got to understand. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God and heaven is clear about sin. You must hate it. He hates sin. He he don't want no parts of it. He don't want to be around it. And if you don't stop sinning, the Bible is clear. God hates the wicked. It is also clear that God loves the righteous. Yes, in his love, he he demonstrated his love and his mercy for mankind by sending Jesus to deal with our sin problem. Jesus took care of that. Now, 2,000 plus years later, if you have called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, you have been commanded to sin not. That's the commandment. That is not a suggestion. That is not an option. This is a commander. Um, this is a commandment from our commander in chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you have been bought, right, Holy Spirit? We have been bought with a huge, steep price. The precious blood of Jesus. He laid down his life so that sin will no longer have mastery over you, dominance over you. You got to realize that sin lost its grip in your life. Read, eat, meditate. Romans 6, it tells us that sin no longer has dominion, mastery, control. It, it it doesn't rule you anymore. It is not your master. It don't have a say. It has been nailed to the cross. We ain't got no business. My hand is raised because see, I had to learn the hard way that we ain't got no business being in sin. Amen. So yeah, 
You can be reconciled back to God, but you got to stay out of sin once you repent. Why? Because you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So say 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Once you've repented of your sins, you must stay out of it. Yep, I believe, right Holy Spirit, I am going to be beating that statement like a dead horse. Yes, because apparently we all didn't get the memo. We must stay out of sin. All of it. We can't justify it. We can't make any excuses for it. We can't claim ignorance. Nope. That is why you got the Bible app on your phone. That's why you got the Bible sitting on your coffee table collecting dust. You can even go down to your local public library and read the Bible. There is no excuse not in the 21st century with all of these iPhones, all of these high-tech gadget gadgets. Oh, you can you can find out some stuff now, okay? So, there will be no excuse for not knowing what sin is. Okay. So, let us just be clear that there is a penalty for for not forsaken sin. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about why it is important for us to repent. And not only that, okay, because we write Holy Spirit, you are on point. We can give God and Jesus lip service all day about how we how we regret the sin but where is the fruit that you have actually turned from it because from the looks of it you still sleeping around you still smoking that weed you still lying and and fighting and cutting up you are still stealing. You are still being a grievy, covetous, idolatrous of a person. So where is the fruit of you confessing, I'm not going back to that sin, but you're still in it. So at the end of the day, your heart must bear fruit. So that's why I want to talk about repentance and and why it is important. I should say vitally important because the test of repentance ultimately is fruit. Because again, we could give lip service all day to the moon and back about how sorry we are, but if you are still in it, then you have not fully repented because repentance means a turning, 
a changing of your mind, turning from sin and turning to God in obedience. And henceforth, going forward, you don't go back to that vomit. That's somewhere we have missed the connection. Jesus told me, and in my case, I had not fully put on the uh, new man. Yeah, I made a confession for Christ, but there was no turning from sin. I was deceived. Yeah, I, I, a haughty mess. So the test of repentance ultimately is fruit. John the Baptist wasn't overly impressed when some of, of the religious leaders came to him for baptism, rather he challenged them to what? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Matthew 3, 8. In other words, while your mind may desire repentance, it is your heart that must offer the fruit to demonstrate your commitment to change. Yeah, because if you if you are up under one of those easy breezy fellowships like I was, y'all know my story. How for years since 2002, I was sitting up under that damnable prosperity gospel. And I thought God was playing with that lake of fire. And I stayed in sin, willful sin. Mind you, believing I was once saved, always saved. Oh yeah, I fell for the lie. Boy, was was I so deceived. It ain't even funny, y'all. You see... Like I said, I had only made a confession for Christ, but never fully turning from sin. I believed the lie from the wolf pastor that I couldn't, quote unquote, out sin God's good grace. So I took it as a license to sin. Yep, that's what happened. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your mercy and long-suffering while dealing with me. Because, folks, I kept playing the harlot. I kept smoking my weed. I'll, I'll dibble and, and dabble with drinking. I kept cussing and acting up. Mind you. All this is going down while I'm going to church, right? Yeah, I kept fornicating. And then, and then when, when the guilt of sleeping with the boyfriend at the time, I married them. Thinking in my warped and deceived mind, mind that, well, if I get married, I won't feel guilty about this fornication I'm clearly in. So what did the fast lightning mind of Cynthia do? She married hubby number two, divorced him, 
then married hubby number three and divorced him too, not realizing because of my lack of studying the scriptures. Because folks, let us be clear, when you are in willful, practicing, deliberate, everyday sin, you are not going to be studying this word like we ought to. So for me, because of my lack of studying the scriptures for myself and relying apparently solely on the charlatan in the pulpit to rightly divide the word, hmm, well, good luck with that because he ain't doing that, okay? I was an adulteress because of these remarriages. While my first covenant spouse was very much alive. Y'all know I have done a, a number of episodes on this podcast about what Jesus had to say about divorce and remarriage. When your first covenant spouse is still alive, Folks, it is sin to remarry someone while your first covenant spouse is still alive. I know y'all don't want to believe that, but it is true. No, the pastor says that I could divorce my spouse if they cheated on me. See, Matthew 19.9 says, except it be for sexual immorality. You need to go and do some more study because sexual immorality is is not adultery because Jesus was talking about fornication. So how do we know he wasn't saying except it be for adultery? Because he says it in the next sentence. Because if he was talking about adultery, He wouldn't have said it twice. He said, except it be for sexual immorality. And we know if you study the word sexual, sexual immorality is talking about fornication. Matter of fact, come on, let's go to it. Y'all want me to open up my phone, right? Okay, okay, I got you. Matthew, look. 1999 because a lot of us are deceived and that if we don't understand what the scripture actually mean means we could be in willful sin on our way to a burning hell and be shell shocked when we when Jesus calls us out of this calls us up out of this body suit and we open our eyes in hell trying to figure out how did we get here look matthew 19 9 says and i say unto you whosoever shall put away his wife except it be for fornication and shall marry another committed adultery and whoso marry her which is put away do commit adultery So if Jesus was saying, except it be for adultery, why did he say it 
that you commit adultery. Don't you think Jesus knows what he's talking about? He is not confused. No, y'all confused just like I was confused with the word play. Yeah, the pastor quote unquote clarified this by saying Jesus is referring to adultery that if your spouse commits adultery on you, then you have every right to divorce that person. But that's not what the scripture is saying. Because you got to understand, listen, check the, the playlist because I, I don't, I don't have time folks right now to get into it, but rest assured, Jesus said, accept it before fornication. That means real quick that if your spouse, your, your spouse at the time when y'all were engaged, your fiance cheated on you, had a sexual tryst during that engagement process. And then after you all got married and it came out with concrete evidence, let's say a baby shows up and DNA testing proved you are the father. Okay. Now that's some concrete evidence, right? So while y'all two were engaged, he cheated or, or she cheated. And then it didn't come out until after the wedding. And you're like, wait a minute, I just married this man but or this woman. And while we were engaged, you off cheating on me. How are we going to start this marriage off? So Jesus said, accept it before fornication. Because if you divorce, if you divorce your spouse for any other reason, Fill in the blank. Whatever transpired, transpired between you two and y'all just couldn't work it out. And y'all went down to man's divorce court to put y'all asunder. Read, I mean, listen to the playlist because Jesus is clear. If your first spouse is still alive and you remarry, you commit adultery. You commit adultery and that's it. So look, Jesus said in Mark 10, 11 through 12, he answered, anyone who divorces his wife and remarries another woman commits adultery. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commit adultery again check the playlist because i would really love to get into the fine details on this doctrine but i got a whole nother episode today so please friend check the playlist <clears throat> check the playlist or simply for yourself read the scriptures I apologize. I, I had to take some water there. My throat was just so dry. I felt like I was sucking back sand or something. So, um, right, 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 right. Check the playlist for the in-depth teachings on this vital topic because 
I know a lot of people do not want to give up their adulterous remarriages, but you must, my friend, because God is clear about the fate of the unrepented adulterer. And you can fight tooth and nail about this. You can kick, you can scream, but the facts remain. Jesus said what he said, and he meant what he said. And he ain't backing off of it for no one. Just because you love Bob now, and you're not giving him up because Steve, your first covenant spouse, cheated on you, and you're happy now? Folks, we better wake up. We better wake up because, again, God is absolutely crystal clear about the adulterer. Look, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Question mark. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral. Folks, them are your fornicators. Nor idolaters. Nor adulterers. Nor effeminate by perversion. Nor those who practice. No, those who practice. I can't even get it out. Those who participate in homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, whose words are used as weapons to abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander, nor swindlers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Yeah, this scripture right here will forever keep me out of adulterous remarriages. I'm good. I will remain single. Why? My first covenant spouse is still alive. So I, I repented from adulterous remarriages. I'm good. I will remain single. Why? Because I love Jesus more than this stinking rotten flesh. I can't assure you. So enough of me. <laughs> why is why is repentance so important? Why must we repent? Because Jesus told us to. That's why. And it is vitally important that we do so. Jesus said in Luke, in Luke 13, verses 3 to 5, I tell you no, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those eighteen, or those eighteen on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Period. That should be enough. 
we should never question whether or not we have to repent. Jesus, I keep telling y'all, Jesus is wisdom. He meant what he said when he said it. This is true that if you don't repent, you too, just like, because he was making a reference, apparently some 18 people died and this because of this tower and Siloam fell on them and killed them. So he begged the question, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who um, dwelt in Jerusalem? Because apparently, I guess the talk of the town was that they deserved that. I don't know, but when they came running to Jesus to uh, tell them about this, he was like, I tell you no, but unless you repent, but guess what? Just like them, you too, all, all of us will likewise perish. Repentance is important. Why? Because of Acts 17, 30 to 31, Folks, I'm telling you, when you when you are not in willful sin, oh, you got a whole lot of time now to study out these scriptures. So to the glory of God, I'm bringing them to you today. Here we go. It's important because of Acts 17, 30 to 31, that should wake us all up out of the stupor. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Verse 31. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man. Capital M. Whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So guess who's going to be sitting on a throne on judgment day at the great white throne? Judgment, Jesus, the one who you thought was playing, whom I thought was playing with that lake of fire. Folks. And most certainly, if we don't repent, Revelation 20, 11 to 15, talking about that final judgment, the great white throne, where Jesus will sit on the throne to judge the world in righteousness. As we just read in Acts 17, 31, that's why. Look, I'm going to get y'all again with Revelation 20, 11 to 15. And I saw, because this is the final judgment, a great white throne and, and the one sitting on it, the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne and the books were opened. 
including the book of life and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and death and hell gave up their dead and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. Yeah, folks, hell itself will be thrown to the lake of fire. They will be, hell will be thrown into the lake of fire as well. This lake, know what it says? Yep, then death and hell were thrown, verse 14, into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone, verse 15, is very sobering. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life hmm, was thrown, was hurled, was cast into the lake of fire. Amen. So let's get into it. Why is repentance important? For after all, the Lord Jesus Christ has given us Luke 24, 47 as a massive job assignment in this kingdom to do, right? Luke 24, 44 to 47, this is the Amplified, says, Then he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything which which has been written about me in the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to help them understand the scriptures. And he said, And so it is written that the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance necessary for forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Amen. So today, by the Holy Spirit, I'm coming in the name of Jesus to preach repentance which is necessary for forgiveness of sins amen and jesus said yeah beginning from jerusalem why because they crucified jesus and so the good news that they too by the mercy and grace of god can have forgiveness of their sins if they repent so, out of all the places, see God's love in action. Starting at Jerusalem when they rejected the promised, long-awaited Messiah. And not only did they reject him, but they, <laughs> they killed him. But let us not be mistaken. Jesus says, no one takes my life. I lay it down on my own accord and I take it up again. Amen. So let us not get that twisted. Folks, we we repent 
by turning away from sin and surrendering our lives to God. Repentance begins with God's calling, His opening our minds to correctly understand His Word. Then we must pray for His help and begin studying the Scriptures, feeding on it, meditating on it, to find out what we need to change. So if you is one who likes to sleep around, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, no fornicators. If you like to cheat on your spouse or if you divorce your spouse and remarry while he or she is still alive, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, you are an adulterer or adulteress. If you like stealing and if you, if you are greedy and covetous, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, none of them will inherit the kingdom of God. If you like staying in your homosexual lifestyle, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, it is clear. Paul let us know, do not be deceived. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Amen. So, that's why we study these scriptures to find out what we need to change, get the sin out of our lives. And we do this by comparing our beliefs, behavior, uh, behaviors, customs, traditions, and thoughts to the Holy Bible. It is like Paul said, I mean, uh, James said, it is like a mirror. When, when, you, when you look at it and you see your face, but then when you walk away, how could you forget what your face looked like? Likewise, thank you, Holy Spirit, with the word of God, when you study it and then when, when you put it down and then you go off back out in life, you can't forget what you just finished reading. Namely, let's say if you were studying 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, and you know you sleep around. Well, after you read that, you can't, you shouldn't, you must not turn from that good sound counsel and then go back to what you was doing. It's like looking in the mirror. How you forget what your face looked like once you leave out from that mirror. Likewise, the word of God. When you study in the word of God and you see anything in it that tells you to stop what you are doing. You can't. My hand is raised. It don't work. <laughs> Take it from me. I had to learn the hard way. Okay. You can't walk away from this precious word and then go right back into doing what you just read that God says, if you keep on doing this, you ain't going to make it. Amen. So God's word is the only trustworthy standard by which we can measure our attitudes and behaviors. Because if we let this pagan world tell it what you are doing ain't nothing wrong with it as a matter of fact post it put it up there on youtube put it up there on tiktok for our entertainment
Nope, we ain't going to make it, folks. This thorough self-examination process is essential for our repentance in order for it to be genuine. And it now it may take a considerable amount of time, but the goal and the mindset is to finish this race in faith and not in sin. Amen. Because we live by faith. We don't live by sin. That's why the scriptures say we live by faith and not by sight. So whatever this flesh wants, absolutely not. John tells us, what is this? First John 2 about how we are to not love this world because all that this world offers is the lust of your flesh. The lust of your eyes. It tells you, you can have whatever you see, take it. And the pride of life. And when you get it, and if you feel accomplished by it, whether it be a spouse, a job, education, car, money, whatever, because you take pride in those things, well, show it off. Put titles in front and back of your names. Have a great big old house and have parties just so that people can come to your mansion or your or your five bedroom home out there in the uh, suburbs and they could they can marvel at it and you could stand by and gloat and just be happy about all <clears throat> all of your accomplishments. Let us not be mistaken about Isaiah 50, right? 10 through 11. Excuse me, because for the past few episodes, the Holy Spirit was telling us we cannot walk by the light of our own torches, being guided by them. In essence, telling God, we good. I got this. I don't need to walk by your sound counsel. I don't listen. I don't have to listen to Jesus. I don't need to be led by the Holy Spirit. I got this. I got goals, I got ambition, I got projects, I got things I need to do. So I'm good, God. And God is like, okay, so you want to walk by your own path, your your own goals that you have set up for your life. You, you want to stay in all of that sin because you don't think anything is wrong with it. God tells us in verse 11 of Isaiah 50, Okay, well, this is what you can expect from my hand. You will lie down in a place of pain, torment. So, let's see what the Bible says about real repentance and its importance to our relationship with God. Because, question on the floor on the floor, did Jesus stress the importance of repentance? Absolutely. Luke 5, 32. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, 
the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand at hand repent and believe in the gospel amen mark 1:14 to 15 and you can compare that with matthew 4:17 jesus taught that our most important priority should be to enter the kingdom of God. And we see this in Matthew 6, 33, when he tells us to first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to find out what God says is holy and do that. We need to, we need to uh, produce fruit in keeping with repentance we must maintain our right standing with God now seeing how we have been reconciled back to him through Christ Jesus so we need to find out what God says um, how we ought to live in righteousness and in holiness because without holiness no one will see the lord amen so did god's prophets of old preach repentance absolutely and the lord has sent to you all his servants the prophets rising early and sending them but you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear they said repent now every one of his evil way and his evil doings amen jeremiah 25 verses 4 through 5 so must this same message continue to be preached to the whole world Absolutely. Then Jesus said to them, All things must be fulfilled which were written concerning me, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at jerusalem amen that's luke 24 44 to 47 the scriptures show god is consistent from the beginning he has sent his servants with the same message which was what repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Amen. That's Ezekiel eighteen thirty to 31. So must everyone repent? Mm-hmm. Why? Jesus done already told us in Luke 13, 3, because we can compare that with Acts um, 17, 30 and 2 Peter 3, 9, because Jesus was clear. Okay. I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. 
you can't get any clearer with that. I'm telling you, Jesus is not confused. We are the confused ones to think that we can stay in willful practicing sin every day and still get to go to heaven when Jesus just told us in Luke 13, 3, that unless you repent, you need to stop sinning. Otherwise, you ain't going to make it. He said, you will, you will all, all of us perish. So yes, repentance is key. Now we know that repentance doesn't make us right with God because he told us, for it is by grace through faith that we are saved. We can't boast about this salvation, about what we do. You, but you got to understand that um, repentance and forgiveness are on the, on the um, same side of the coin, right? Of the same coin, because it all ties into our salvation. So we know that repentance is not a work, but it's something that must take place in order for forgiveness of the sin. Because if you don't repent, then what, how do you expect Jesus' blood to forgive you of your sins when you don't even acknowledge them? You don't confess them. You believe that you are a good person and you ain't got nothing to repent about. You're deceived. Romans 3 tells us that ain't no one good, not one person. Okay, read it. Starting at what? Verse 10. As it is written, none is righteous. Nope, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. Nope. And then it says, uh-huh, verse 12. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Nope, not even one. So yes, we must repent and again, it is godly sorrow where you have a change of your mind. No longer do you think sin is the big time fun. No longer do you think lying is okay. Sleeping around is okay. Blasphemy is okay. Being a jealous, covetous, lying gossip is okay. None of that idolatry, putting everything and anyone over God. No, uh-uh. no longer do we take his name in vain. None of that. Sin no longer has an appeal in our lives. That's why Colossians tells us, I believe it is Colossians. Yeah. Something like three, Colossians three. Okay. We must consider ourselves dead to sin. Okay? <laughs> we must come alive to righteousness. We got to get that understanding. You have to consider yourself. You have to reckon with the fact that sin no longer has a say in your life. Folks, we all have to get there. 
that no sin don't control you anymore. I, I just I just can't stop smoking these cigarettes. They it keeps calling me. No. Well, I can't help it the way God made my body. I, I got all of this these breasts and hips and thighs. I can't help it. And it's not my fault that that men don't know how to, you know, walk away and be lusting after me. You need to cover up that body because the Bible is clear about modest apparel. So we don't think those things are worthy of our time. Listen, we have been born again. So if you were a fornicator, if you were an adulteress or um, adulterer, if you were a Jezebel, if you was a harlot, if you was a liar and a thief, People can put down a pen for you stealing it, okay? you. We all needed to be born again. And once we are born again, we are now children of God. And children of God covers up this body, men included, because y'all be playing with them skinny jeans and, and tight muscle shirts, okay? Showing off all those pecs and six packs. Y'all need to stop it to cover it up. Okay. We are children of God. We are children of the light. Therefore, we walk in holiness. Now, if you don't think that's fun to do, then I implore you to sit with Jesus and re-examine where you are in the faith because this is what we look forward to, to produce fruit of repentance, to, to show God, to show ourselves and the people around us that we have been changed. We are no longer rolling in sin. Yeah, I was an adulteress. Yeah, I was a fornicator. Yeah, I was a liar and a thief. And you couldn't trust me as far as you can throw me. But now, glory be to God, we have been washed. We have been sanctified. We have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Glory be to God. So... In closing, eternal life in the kingdom of God is available only to those who repent of their sins. There are no exceptions because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We see that in Romans 2.23. What is repentance? Genuine repentance produces a change in the way we live, even in the way we think. What in God's sight demonstrates that our repentance is genuine? Well, we see in Luke 3, 7 through 9, then John the Baptist said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath of, from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And then it goes on to say, <clears throat> it goes on to say, every tree which does not bear 
good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Amen. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the Gentiles also, Paul preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. And that's Acts 26, 20, because genuine repentance does produce a change in the way we live, even in the way we think. Those who say they have repented, but produce that produce no fruit worthy of repentance, deceive themselves. Let me say that again. Those who say they have repented, but, but produce no fruits worthy of repentance, deceive themselves. My hand is raised. I was completely deceived. I didn't even know, and this is to my shame, I didn't even know that we were to produce fruits of repentance. I thought just by saying, God, I'm sorry, you know, forgive me. And then I'll pull first John one nine out the back pocket that how he's faithful and just to forgive us if we confess that sin. But what about Matthew 38, that I must produce fruit of my repentance. So if I'm repenting because I'm still lying and, and cursing and cutting up, then tomorrow I shouldn't be lying and stealing and cutting up. So Titus 1.16 says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny him. Oh, I just felt a cut to my spirit because this is what I was talking about. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This scripture is exactly what I was just telling y'all. Yeah, I profess to know God, but in works and fruit that I was producing, <clears throat> I was not producing fruits of repentance. No, because in in doing so, I was denying Jesus. I was denying the Father. That's what happens because we could, we can profess until we are blue in the face. Talking about how, oh, I know God. I go to church. I read my Bible. Okay, but what does the works in your life prove? Because nine times out of ten, they will prove otherwise. Yeah, yeah, this is a death walk, okay? We are dead people walking, waiting for our Lord to come back for us. And if we go by uh, the way of the grave as we await for him to come, then so be it, absent from the body, to be present with the Lord which is great gain. Yeah, we are not looking to run up out of here, okay? Because there's kingdom work that needs to be done. We must, thank you, Holy Spirit, be about the Father's business. You want to know why? Jesus told us that the harvest is plenty 
It's the laborers that are few. Where are the laborers for Christ Jesus? There are souls by the thousands, if not millions, okay, going to hell regularly. They need to hear this gospel that you can have your sins forgiven. You don't have to die in willful, disobedient, practicing sin. Not when Jesus died on that cross for our sins. He suffered. He was, he was brutalized, mutilated on our behalf. And he did this willingly. As a lamb being led to the slaughter. He didn't drag his feet to go. He didn't kick and scream talking about, no, I don't want to do this. Can we talk about this some other time? No. He laid down his life willingly. He died once and for all to sin. Like I say, sin don't have a say unless you give it a say. Glory be to God. Listen, folks, time is of the essence. We ain't getting any younger. Oh, you may feel healthy and strong and you got this, but guess what? People are dying at young ages, young adults. It is not a guarantee that we make it to a ripe old age. Not when Hebrews 9.27 is staring down the barrel of our lives. We have been appointed one time to live this life. Don't live it in sin, my friend, because after you die, the judgment. Glory be to God. So I'm just going to leave y'all with this. Does Jesus confirm that sin starts in the heart? Yeah, it does. Mark 7, 21 to 23 says, Jesus said, For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Here is the list. Fornication, death, death, murder, adultery. See, again, and I I just got to point this out again. If Jesus implied that fornication is the same thing as adultery, getting back to that whole divorce and remarriage argument, right? He said fornication and then he lists a couple of things and then he said adultery. Those are two separate sexual sins. Fornication is having sex with someone when you are not married. You as a single person is sleeping around. Adultery is when you are married and you have sex outside of your marital covenant, meaning you are cheating on your spouse. So why did Jesus say that it was adultery if your first covenant spouse is still alive and you marry? Why why does he call that adultery then? Why not call it fornication? Because in the eyes of God, you are still married to your first spouse. So if you remarry and you have sex 
with that new partner, you are in adultery because your first spouse is still alive. Yeah, but I got a divorce. I'm not I'm not cheating on him again in the eyes of God because God said, let no man put asunder. When you get married, married, that is the one flesh union. And the only way out of that covenant is if either one of the partners dies. That is only when that covenant is fulfilled. So we can run off and get married to 20 different people. As long as husband or wife number one, that first one, is still living in the earth, breathing, walking around, eating and drinking and being married. Okay, if you marry someone, you commit adultery because in the eyes of God, you too are still married. That's why it's called adultery. And the person that marries you, guess what? They commit adultery too. Why? Because they are sleeping with someone else's spouse. Yeah, but uh, Sheila told me that, that she divorced Tom. Yeah, well, is Tom still alive? Yeah, he is. Okay, well, then you are sleeping with a married woman. No, I'm not. Jesus is not going to go back and forth with anyone about his commandments. He ain't doing it. So I'm going to leave y'all with that. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, thank you so much for showing us what is sin and why it is vitally important for us to repent. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for, for sending Jesus. We needed him. Thank you for reconciling us back to yourself, Father. Those of us who have truly repented, we are looking to sin not. We are not looking to make excuses for sin. We ain't looking to stay in sin. We ain't looking to participate in anyone else's sin. Help us today, Father to remain on the straight and narrow path because Jesus, the son of the living God, has told us that few will find that path. It is hard. Absolutely it is. But the the payoff, if you will, Father, and I mean this with no disrespect, but we have heaven to look forward to we we have the new jerusalem the new heavens the new earth to look forward to we want to get to that city father we want to see our loved ones we want to see you face to face we want to see jesus face to face because even though we have not seen you or seen Jesus with our naked eyes. We know and believe that you exist and that you sent Jesus to this world to die for the sins of many. And that is exactly what he did.
And then three days later, glory be to God, you raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus is sitting alive in heaven today at your right hand, interceding for us, praying, excuse me, praying that we don't fall away from the faith. Oh, Father, thank you for your love and your mercy. Help us each and every day to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, that how his body was was broken for us and that his blood was, was shed for us and that how we are now in a new covenant with you because of Jesus. We are not in the old covenant. We are, are in the blood covenant covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we love you with all of our hearts, souls, minds, and strength, and we love our neighbors as we love ourselves by faith, the law is fulfilled. Everything that the prophet had to say, hang on thou on those two commandments all the law and all the prophets. When when we do that, because see, that's what Jesus told us about the law of Christ. When we obey that, we fulfill the law. We do. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you that the minds of your people are being renewed on a daily basis by your grace that you wake us up each and every day, that our minds are being renewed, that we are not conforming to this pagan, satanic, Luciferian world anymore, doing what they do, running after what they run after. No longer do we think sin is the big time fun and that we can get away with it with it because of false doctrines like once saved, always saved and hyper grace and how all you really need to do is make a confession for Christ. Just believe in the Lord Jesus. Father, we got the memo. We must turn from sin. We must produce fruit of this change behavior. Because otherwise, where's the proof that we have even repented? The proof is in the fruit. Have you stopped smoking the weed? Have you stopped sleeping around? Have you stopped being just a mean, evil person? Have you stopped being unforgiven? Have you stopped being a gossip? Have you stopped being a harlot? Where's the fruit? Because Jesus told us, you can tell a tree by the fruit that it bears. So we can sit back and say what we want all day long. But if there's no fruit about what you are saying, then you are deceived and you are a liar. So Father... That's a mouthful. But thank you that you are putting this in all of us. We got to wake ourselves up. 
We can't no longer be deceived. Jesus is on his way back. And you are not playing with that lake of fire. Yes, we were once in sin, deceiving ourselves. Well, I'm a follower of Jesus, but denying him by our works. I can say all day, I repent, I repent. But if I'm still doing the same thing day in and day out, I have not truly repented. I'm deceived. To think that I have fellowship with you and still be in sin. Father, help us today. Oh, Father, thank you. Glory be to your name. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. Another one in the can. Repent. And believe. Stop sinning. Come on now. Stop it. We all have to stop it at some point. Especially Hebrews 9.27. Like I said. It's looking down the barrel of your life every day. But through and by the grace of God. He allows us another day above the dirt. Don't live it in sin. It ain't worth it. Jesus says, what's the profit? What profit is there if you gain this whole world, but then die in your sins? No. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It, it ain't worth it. Nope. So, come on. I encourage all of us. I love you guys. Come on. We can do this. We can, we can walk this thing out by the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve your comforter. He's here. He's been sent here. <clears throat> Excuse me. He has been sent. <clears throat> See, it's time to go. The throat. He has been sent here to help us. To teach us what is truth. Truth. Don't, don't slap away his hand. He's coming with wisdom, telling us if we are in sin, we're going the wrong way. And if we don't turn around, we ain't going to make it. So, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 to 34 tells us, do, do you, no, <laughs> bad copy. I'm thinking 1 Corinthians 6. Listen, stop it. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, I'm going to let y'all go. Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye